help you just worship help you bond better? Can you lay yourself down before him tonight? Can you just let go of whatever it is on your mind right now and give your father worship? Give him worship. Give him praise. Exalt him. Lay down your crown. Lay down your worries. Lay down your anxieties tonight. And just worship him from your heart. Let it flow from within you. Let it flow from within you. Lay it down, lay it down tonight, lay it down tonight, lay it down tonight. We praise your name. We lay a crown, we lay a crown, we lay a crown. Worship in the spirit tonight. Worship your father.
Father, we are thankful. Ah, Lord, we are thankful. We are thankful. You have kept us from the beginning of the year to the 1st of November 2023. Ah, you have kept us. You have preserved us. When it looked like there was no way, Lord, you made the way. When it felt like we were stuck, Lord, you made the way. We are not we are not ungrateful people. We have come to say thank you tonight. We have come to say we appreciate you. Lord, we worship you. Lord, we praise you. We give you thanks and adoration. Be thou exalted, O God. Be thou exalted, O God. Ah, be thou exalted, O God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we have given thanks. Can someone celebrate his father this morning? Can someone this evening? Can someone celebrate her father this evening? Hallelujah. Praise God. It just felt like we should just continue worshiping. Praise God. Hallelujah. We'll try to do some more of this before the service comes to a close. Please, can you help me welcome someone by your side? Welcome them to church as you have your seat. Welcome them with a smile. And please have your seat. God bless you. Tell them, thank you for coming for midweek service. Praise God. All right. So, um, how many of us have enjoyed the series Fused so far? It's been awesome. Praise God. All right. So, tonight we are wrapping up um, the series on Fused. And um, you know, God has used um, our pastors, our ministers to be a blessing to us. So, what I'm basically going to do tonight is just to wrap up. So you, you probably hear me repeat some of the things they've said. It's intentional, okay? It's not for lack of something to say. Praise God. All right, so the first week we looked at um, marriage being um, a sacred covenant between a man, his wife, and God. Praise God. It's a sacred institution. So we, we got that introduction. The Week two, we looked at the role of the spirit in guiding couples. The role of the spirit. Truth of the matter is you can't run marriage by your flesh. Married people will tell you. So you see all these feelings. You see all this butterfly in your tummy. At some point, I don't know if they fly away or they settle down. They just settle. And then reality sets in. Praise God. So you can't run marriage by your feelings. You do what you have to do regardless. Praise God. Not, we don't feel like going to work all the time. If you feel like going to work all the time, let me see your hand. Cholerics will raise their hands. Uh, cholerics, we're always. <laughs> oh, some cholerics say it's not all the time, Abby. Uh-huh. But do you go to work regardless? You go to work. It's the same thing when it comes to marriage. So sometimes you will not feel like it. You don't feel like doing something. You need the help of the Holy Spirit to run marriage and run it well. And that is why you cannot marry somebody who is not a Christian. You can't be unequally yoked, you know, with unbelievers. Because they don't have the spirit, they don't carry the spirit that you carry. And then that's the problem. If they don't carry the spirit that you carry, they don't know the things you know, they don't have the same values as you, how will you, how will you run the home? You'll be looking at situations and attacking situations from different perspectives. What you are doing will not make sense because, you know, faith sometimes can look foolish. So when you are trying to live by faith, they are looking at you like, why are you, why are you doing this? Logic says, and they will come with logic. 
but we are children of God and we have his spirit. So you cannot consider. So when you marry, you, you're not, you're not, you can't run marriage by your flesh. Now, let's even leave marriage. You can't even live the Christian life by your flesh. People will annoy you. People annoy you from time to time. So your spouse will annoy you. So if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to guide you, you will be in trouble. Um, at some point in my marriage, thank God for the Holy Spirit. And, you know, so sometimes my wife complained about some things. And I, just, I prayed about it one day and then the Holy Spirit just told me to, to, to be saying something. And this thing really helped. It has helped a lot. Something as simple as say, I will keep getting better. Something as simple as that. So when something comes up, maybe my wife complains about something and, you know, I don't have done wrong. I'll just say to her, I'm sorry, I'll keep getting better. Do you know that that douses all the tension? It doesn't cost me anything to say it. Do you understand? As a man, my ego can be waiting. If you don't like it, leave it. No. But the Holy Spirit taught me something. I'll keep getting better. And I kept saying that. And I, I, apart from the fact that the Holy Spirit said I should say it, you know it was a positive confession even for me. And I noticed that I kept getting better. You can ask my wife, I'm better. Praise God. Because, yeah, I know, we, by God's grace, we've been married for 11 years. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it looks it's, you know, just like yesterday. And I don't look it, Abby. Thank God for that. All the while, see the first two, three years or more. Or more. You know, some people that are not married, you would think when you get married, everything goes just be sweet. Hey. Okay. As long as you wish to marry, you will marry. All right? But what we are simply saying is be prepared. All the messages you hear, all the teachings that you hear, put them into practice. Start to do them. When you get married, you'll be serving your partner. It's been repeated here over and over and over and over. But some people still don't understand it. We have people who come to church, they serve themselves. I was having a conversation with um, a couple, this Sunday or two Sundays ago. They've been, they've been coming to church for, I think, about three years now. And the first person I asked them, what department are you in? And they said, none. Ah. And you've been coming for three years. I said, well, have you done discovery? No. Now, people like that will marry. Hmm? They've not learned to serve anywhere. And then they think it, it will not come on you automatically if you don't start the service now. So when we say, join a department, join a unit in church, and learn to serve, we know what we are telling you. Because when you get into marriage, like I said, the butterflies will either settle, or they will fly out, or they will die. At that point, it is what you have learned in service that will help you in marriage. So, we looked at the role of the, week three, um, we looked at the bond of peace in marriage. The bond of peace. Trust me, every married person will tell you this. The, see, the number one thing you want in your home is what? Peace. Peace of mind. You want to be able to get home and you are relaxed. Even if they annoy you outside, you know that when you get home, your spouse will say, don't worry, leave them. It is well, forget about it, put it behind you, you know. Not that somebody annoys you and then when you get into the house, the annoyance will continue. <laughs> Your spouse will make it worse. So you need peace of mind. See, there's nothing like having peace in your home. God is not the author of confusion. You want that peace. 
when everywhere is calm and quiet, you can think, you can reason, you can talk, you can communicate better. But when there is no peace, when there is no peace, you can't achieve anything. You cannot do anything. You can't get results. The Bible in James 3.16 says, For where envy and strife is, there is what? Confusion and what? Every evil work. Every evil work. Sometimes some things are happening to some people, but they don't know where it's coming from. Because there's envy, because there's strife. And you can't even trace it. In, um, I think it's Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26, if I'm not mistaken, or 27. It says, neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. If you look at the NIV translation of that, yes, verse 27. NIV says, and do not give the devil what? Give the devil what? What's a foothold? A foothold is a, a place where you can stand and advance further. So, when you allow envy and strife, what you are simply doing is you are creating a platform for the devil to stand on and advance further into your lives. And as a married couple, if you do that, you are allowing the devil to get in. He can hit your finances. He can hit your children. He can hit different parts of your life. So, trust me, you need the peace more than anything else. I have a friend who, he was, he was the best man at my, um, at my wedding. This guy was in a relationship with, um, with a lady at some point. They started off as friends, all right? They were good friends. He and the lady were good friends. You know, they attended the same church. The guy was in, in choir. I don't know if the lady was also in choir, but I can't remember now. So, um, they started off as friends. As friends, they were fantastic. You know, they flowed, they gisted, they talked. At the end of the day, everybody would go to their house. They come to church. They, you know, they, they gist. They, everything was going smooth. They now took it to the next level. You know what le- next level is now? They started a relationship. And they made it formal. It was as if the devil was waiting. Immediately, they took it to the next level. Every day quarrel. Every day fight. They would argue about something. They would disagree. In fact, it, it got to a point where it was affecting the guy's productivity in the office. The guy would come to the office, and we, we used to work in the same place. The guy would come to the office, and he's looking, he's looking lost. He's looking disturbed. So one day, we went to the um, company canteen. While we were, it, he was sitting, so this is a table, I was sitting here, he was sitting, so we were facing each other. There was another table, so somebody was sitting and backing him. So we're having a conversation and it was still about this same girl. And I've, I've told her, I said, guy, what's the apple? Leave this babe now. What's the issue? Why are you stressing yourself out? Leave her. Let go. And I'm going, to, I'm going to be very, you know, very, very real with us. Apparently, he was sleeping with the girl. And every time we tell you, hmm, don't sleep with somebody you're not married to. We know what we're telling you. Sex is beyond the physical. You are emotionally entangled, spiritually involved. Thank God for Pastor. How many of us were around when Pastor Chiki and the wife spoke? Please go and get the message. They dealt with it. So, he's, when you start sleeping with somebody you're not married to, you are inviting some other things. Some things that that person is carrying is worrying you. Pastor Chiki and the wife dealt with it, so I'm not going to go into it. So, when he told me that, I'm like, guy, you shouldn't be doing this. You know. And this was a very committed person in church. In his church, he was his, the guy was Christian. I give it to him. He, was, he wasn't perfect, of course, but he was doing well. He was trying. So I told him over and over, end this thing with this girl. 
he's it was when he now told me that he was sleeping with a girl that I now understood that this is the reason. Because when you start sleeping with someone, it will be hard for you to make certain decisions. It will be hard for you to make certain decisions. So he couldn't really get it until one day, like I was saying, we went to the canteen, so we're eating. So we're having, the same conversation came up. He was complaining about what the girl was doing, how the girl, you know, gives him stress and all of those things. And in my mind, I'm thinking, and you want to marry this person? Ah, this is just... Imagine when you are when she's inside the house. So the guy, we didn't know that the guy was sitting um, backing him. Was you know he, he had everything we were discussing. So when the guy stood up, the guy wasn't our staff. wasn't you know our canteen is open to even visitors that come around. So when the guy was about to leave, the guy stood up and he came to us. He said, "Please don't be angry. I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to badge into your conversation." And he said, "But I couldn't help." but listen to what you were saying. And I feel like saying something. He now looked at that, my friend, and he said to him, he said, bros, you don't want to marry a quarrelsome woman. It is better you end things with her. That was all the guy said. And then he left. Immediately he left. We looked at ourselves. And I told him, I said, you won't need the, you won't need the Holy Spirit to come and tell you again. So it's, it's most likely the guy is was currently experiencing that in his own marriage because he was advanced. It was either he was experiencing that in his own uh, marriage or he had experienced it or he knows someone who is currently experiencing it. So when he said that, he left. After that day, my guy summoned courage and he ended the relationship with the girl. But man, come and see insults. Hey! Your own no go better for you. No go better for you. You will not prosper. You will not succeed. Since I came into your life, you have done well. You have, they were not married though. They were in a relationship. So she started raining insults and abuses and all of those things on the guy and said he will never do well and all of those things. When they ended things, the guy called me and told me, I said, ah, see you. I said, ah, go and do Thanksgiving church. Because God has delivered you. Today, the guy is happily married to somebody else. Praise God. So, for somebody here today, hmm, you are in the relationship that you're not supposed to be in. And you are sleeping with the person that you're not married to. Let me show you something. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. DJ, please help. Genesis 2, 25. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. It's a very popular scripture. Okay, let me open my own Bible. Um, Genesis chapter 2, verse 25. Okay, it says... And they were both naked. Who? Who? The man and who? And his wife. What does that tell us? They were married. The man and his wife and were not ashamed. If you ever find yourself naked before somebody you are not married to, you should be ashamed. That's what the scripture says. Or if you want to flip it the other way. The only person that should see your nakedness is somebody you are married to. And I know God is speaking to someone tonight. So if, if you are in any relationship that you are sleeping with someone you are not married to, put an end to it tonight. Put an end to it tonight. Praise God. So the guy ended things. Today, like I said, he is happily married. And the wife, very calm, you know... <laughs> 
I don't have time to, you know, to, to go into all of the um, story. So, peace. You want peace. Trust me. So, I can imagine if, if the guy had married that, ah, more, every day would be selfie quarrel. It's either the girl called me, you know, at that period, or the guy was calling me. Sometimes, when I see my phone ring, I'll say, I beg, I beg. I don't have, I don't have energy. <laughs> All right. Okay, so, um, um, last week, we looked at some practical ways, you know, um, where Pastor, Pastor Jethro shared um, communication and seeking counsel. So, if you, are, if you are married and you're having issues in your marriage, please seek counsel. Nobody knows it all. Seek counsel. Seek counsel. Now, one thing has been consistent all, all through our series, and that's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. DJ, can you help me with that scripture? Ephesians 4, 3. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3. I'll try to read this in um, different translations. So, um, KJV says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let me see an IV. After NIV, give me CEV. It says, make every what? Effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. CEV. It says what? Try your best. Try your best. If for any reason, you shouldn't. God hates divorce. And by the way, I'm not against people who are divorced, okay? We're not against you if you're divorced. If you're separated, we're not against you. But I'm just speaking God's word. God hates what? Divorce. If you are contemplating divorce, ask yourself this question. Have you tried your best? Can you say of a truth that you have tried your best? If you are, if you are, if you are not contemplating it, if your marriage is working and you are having struggles and having um, issues, the Bible, God is saying to you tonight, try your best. Do as do do what you need to do. Do what you can do. Go the extra mile. If your spouse has been complaining about something, have you done something about that? What have you done? Your spouse is complaining about your spending habits. What have you done? Have you adjusted? Have you sought counsel? I know I know someone who, because the person might watch online, so I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep the person as anonymous as possible. I know someone who, he's a business person, he makes a lot of money, but, and he's, because his business, his, his job is seasonal, so sometimes, sometimes he can make as much as, like, sometimes make like two million in the space of maybe three months or something. But guess what? Within one month, this guy will blow everything. He's married with two kids. He's married with two kids. He will blow everything. His um, first child started school. And I think he only was only able to do one term in school. The boy is out of school now. Yeah. He makes money. The problem is not money. Do you understand? It's not that he does. He makes money. Good money. Sometimes he, um, he makes, he can make, there was a time he was telling me that he made close to like 6M or something. I, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep it keep the person's, uh, uh, what's it called, identity. You know, I don't, I don't want to come up, make it too open. But he had blown everything. And if you see where he lives, sometimes I'm wondering, I think he started living there with his wife. I don't know whether he started living there before he married. So it was just like a self-contained, very small stuff, um, place. And then he married, he had the first child. He had the second child. In my mind, I was thinking, Oga, 
this place is what? It's too small. Move. You don't need anybody to tell you that. Now, I know that money, again, I know that money is not the problem because I know this person. So he makes money. And his wife has complained. He's the type that doesn't want counseling, doesn't seek counseling. Ah, if you, single ladies, single ladies. If you see a guy that doesn't want counseling, run. Run 440. Because the guy will come and say, eh, why do we need counseling? We don't need, God will counsel us. Uh, God is counseling all of us already. <laughs> yes, but we need, we need, we need one-on-one counseling. So this guy doesn't want counseling, doesn't want anybody to talk to him. He's, he's, in fact, <laughs> there was something he said to me one day. He said, he said, I hate women controlling me. Ah, yep. I'm, I've seen him have serious quarrel with women now. His wife can barely talk to him. His wife can barely talk to him. You can't marry somebody you cannot talk to. You can't marry somebody that does not have a head. There are people, some people, knots, not a knot, knots. Plenty knots don't lose. And that is, that's the person that you are saying you want to marry. And people are looking at you. People are seeing that problem and they are telling you, but you cannot see it. Why? Because you are in love. Your emotions have clouded your judgment. It will amaze you the questions people ask. I'm a counselor, so I know. Because sometimes you look at people and I'm like, ah, what is this lady doing with this guy? You, I don't, have you ever seen people like that? The problem is obvious. She's the only one not seeing it. She's the only one not seeing it. And if you try to uh, um, advise people like that, they, they think you want to want to kill their shine or you want to stop them from, from getting married. It is the same people that will come back for counseling. Those kind of people, are always the wait for them. When they go, come back. All right, so what, what, what have you done? The Bible says, try your best. Make every effort. If your spouse is complaining about something, what have you done about it? How have you adjusted You've been married for five years and the person has been complaining about that thing. And that is not a life-threatening thing. It's something you can adjust. But you are refusing to adjust. He says, make every effort. Adjust. You are keeping the wrong friends. And your spouse is concerned. End the friendship. It won't cost you anything. Your marriage is what you should try to protect. You're not trying to protect uh, uh, any kind of friendship. You're try- you-, you think your wife is trying to stop you or your husband is trying to stop you. All right. Any marriage you see working, people in it are working it. Abi, our ministers have come to share here. Pastor Jethro came to share. Pastor Wale has shared his own. Minister Blessing shared her own. Now, that one is a pastor, a minister, does not mean that their marriage will work automatically. Hey. As in fact, I think I'm tempted to say that they are the ones that face the greatest challenges. I tell you, we are the ones that face the greatest challenges. Do you know why? Because the devil knows that as a pastor, as a minister, you, you have influence over a lot of people. So if he can hit you, he has, he's, he's able to hit. Like they say, hit, uh, um, strike the sheep, uh, strike the shepherd, and the sheep will scatter. So for pastors and ministers who come and tell you that they are putting in effort in their own marriage, you should also put effort into yours. 
it's usually not, you know, uh, very easy because there's, there's work to be done. Alright, but we're all working on it. It's not the anointing. The anointing does not help you. The anointing can help, help us preach, can help us teach, can help us do other things. The anointing is available to help us in our marriage, but do we tap into that anointing? Part of tapping into the anointing is getting what the Holy Spirit is saying. Like I said, at some point in my marriage, the Holy Spirit told me, whenever your wife complains about something, just say, I will keep getting better. So imagine if the Holy Spirit had said, Holy Spirit said that to me, and I, I just like, no, I will not say it. You know, it will cause problems. And then tomorrow, I will say the Holy Spirit is not helping me. No, I can't say that. I can't say that. Now, um, a few other you know, um, things I would like to share before um, we wrap up. Marriage is a covenant. So it's important that we have a, a covenant commitment. Marriage is not a contract. When you draw up a contract, a contract has a start date and what? An end date. And you can terminate the contract anytime in between. Because when you draw up a contract, you know, there are usually clauses that can allow you to what? To pull out and terminate the contract. But when you talk about a covenant, you're entering a covenant for what? A lifetime. So in other words, and that's why when you come to get married, one of the things he said to you, one of the things I said is, till death do us part. So if you know you are not ready, and then the way people break covenants these days, somebody just wakes up and just says, ah, I'm not doing again. The devil is subtle in his ways. So you know what is happening now. One thing I've noticed, marriage seems to, um, um, divorce seems to, to be looking like normal now. And that's a problem. It's looking like normal. The devil is subtle in his ways. So what the devil is doing is, uh, can't you see that this person is divorced? There's no big deal now. Look at the other person. Look at this person. And in fact, can't you see that this person is doing well since they got divorced? That's the devil. He's subtle in his ways. And then you are in your own marriage, you're having issues, and God is saying to you, try your best. But the devil is pointing you in another direction. If you end it, you will do better. All the stress that this guy is giving you, all the stress that this uh, babe is giving you, you will no longer face it. Then you cannot focus on your career and develop. The devil is subtle in his ways. So we need to be very careful. You need to be very, very mindful. Alright, so a covenant is through good and bad times. So stick with your partner through good and bad times. When the money is there, you rejoice, you celebrate. When the money is not there, you manage and work things out. And work things out. Alright? Now, to the men in the house, um, men, like we all know, uh, men are the head of the home. But what God expects is, as the head, you should be a servant leader. You should be a servant leader. Some men don't want um, a help in their house. If you don't want a help, be the help. Yeah. You don't want help. When we first got married, at some point, you know, um, my wife wanted us to get help. And me, I like my space. I like to just, you know, I just like my space. I don't, I don't want people to come in and all of that. So I said, ah, I said, I don't think we need one yet. You know, she gave reasons why, you know, we needed. And I said, okay. I just waited to postpone it. When the baby came, I still did not. So what we did was we got someone who was helping around, but we'll go back, you know, not a living help. 
those periods, because it wasn't a living help, one of the things I did was get up. In fact, it's become a, a part of me now. Get up very early. Before we had the help, I, I'm the first person to wake up in my house on Sunday morning. Wake up, try my, get my uh, daughter, um, she was still very young that time, bait her. While I'm baiting her, my wife is preparing her food, preparing her clothes, getting all of those things ready. So I am, do you understand what I'm saying? So I am playing a role. I am helping out. Even though at that point, I didn't want a help, but I had to become the help. So as men in the house, if you don't want help, be the help. But if, if you think that is going to be too much, just get the help. As someone is thinking, okay, but my wife is supposed to be my help meet. You won't kill him. She was the one that went, went into the labor room and pushed. You did not push. The baby has come now. Help out. So I wake up, I take, uh, I bait her, get her ready, dress her up. While I'm doing that, my wife is, you know, getting ready, you know, for church. By the time, we, before you know what's happening, we're all set. And we're ready to leave the house and come to church early. But some men will be the one, see, I don't have, to, I'm tired, Jerry. I walked all through the week. I'm very tired. You people be going to church. Without it being said, what you're simply saying is that it's okay if you walk all through week and you're tired. You can rest on Sunday. And guess what? Your children will start picking that up gradually. It gets to a point you, you want them to be serious with God. No. Because you're not modeling that to them. So you need to start modeling that to them. You need to start um, showing them. That was exactly what Jesus... Jesus came to serve. Jesus came to serve. And we want to be like Christ. So if we want to be like Christ, then let us serve. So men in the house, please, let's ensure that we, um, we serve like Christ did. Now, in closing, um, our topic has been fused. In, um, in electricals, there's a lot of equipment, especially equipment that have um, plug, have what we call a fuse. So fused appliances or devices have a device called a fuse. A lot of people know what a fuse is. In case you don't know what a fuse is, a fuse is simply... Um, it, it's, just, it's just this small and it has a strip of wire in it. So what it basically does is to protect um, excess current from flowing into the um, device and damaging it. So rather than the um, current to flow in and damage the equipment, it would blow up the fuse. So that fuse is what? A protection for the device. Now, the Bible says that two are what? Better than one. So when the two of you come together, you form a fuse to protect your marriage. There will be pressure from, ex, from external. Sometimes the pressure will be from internal, um, from, from inside. But when you come together, you protect your marriage. You protect your children. You don't allow that pressure. You will soak it in and you will stand your ground to protect your home. But the funny thing is that a lot of people just allow unnecessary pressure. And then when the pressure gets to you, you blow up. You blow up. If there's one thing I've come to understand is that marriage is a part of the entire God circuit on earth. Every marriage plays a role in the kingdom of God. So what the devil is simply doing is he's blowing up fuses in different marriages so that those devices, the device will not work. So when it blows up your fuse, your marriage doesn't work. And it's affecting the entire plan. God has brought the two of you together for a reason. And as I close, I'd like to read Ecclesiastes chapter 9, 
um, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 from verse 9. It says two are better than one because they have what? A good reward for their labor. God has brought the two of you together. That's a good reward. Somehow the devil has an idea about this and he's trying his best to stop this from happening. Next verse. It says, for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. It says, but woe to him that is what? Alone, when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. God has brought the two of you together to help each other, to stand firm. If one is going down, the other person will, the other one person will lift him or her up. Next verse. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. He said, but how can one be warm alone? How can one be warm alone? Don't allow, don't allow life situations. Don't allow the devil. In fact, sometimes I don't even think it's the devil. Though. I don't think it's the devil sometimes. It's just that we allow, we allow, you know, like the Bible says, little foxes that does what? That spoils the vine. There are some little, little things that can um, in the early years of our marriage, my wife wanted us to get a washing machine. The way I was brought up, I washed with my hands. I never used washing machine. So, but she was coming from where they used washing machine. It was, it was enormous. It was, do you understand? So when she brought up the conversation, I'm like, what's wrong with your hands? Why do you need washing machine? I can wash. Let me, we'll do, let's wash with our hands. Now, that could have become a major issue. Even though, though, though to be honest, of course, we bought the washing machine, of course. <laughs> we bought the washing machine. But my point is, it took, it took, it took a while because I was, just th- I was still thinking it in my head. That's how I was raised. So it wasn't a matter of, I, I still wash my hands today. Yeah, I still wash my hands. I don't have a problem. There's a washing machine, of course. I won't wash my hands when there's a washing machine. There's a washing machine. Why would I leave washing machine and go and wash my hands? So I use the washing machine now. So you see that I'm benefiting from it as well, Abby. Uh-huh. So sometimes, some of these things there, they are so simple, they are so small. It could have caused big, because me, I'm thinking, you first, you go and buy a washing machine, you spend money. Then we're using a prepaid meter. Ah, not connected to prepaid meter, you still be consuming. Ah, this is the unnecessary expenses. I feel this, there's no need. Let's wash with our hands. That's why we're washing with our hands. We are worshiping the Lord. Wash with our hands. You sing worship. You sing praises to God. But she didn't find it funny, of course. But, of course, we, we eventually bought the washing machine. And like I say today, and again, for men in the house, listen to your wives. Listen to your wives. But, of course, use, of course, wisdom. You are, you are one. You are partners. Sometimes, some things that she's saying... Eh, will, may not make sense to you. Like this washing machine example I'm giving now. Now I can put something inside washing machine. It's washing itself. And then that worship the Lord. I can now concentrate and worship the Lord while the machine is washing the clothes. Do you, do, you, do you get me? So sometimes some of those conversations don't make sense. But sit down, think about it. So I thought about it for a while. I'm like, okay, for what to be requesting washing machine? I know my wife is not extravagant. I know she's not wasteful. So for her to be requesting it, it I think it's important. I just say, okay, fine, let's get one. So we got the washing machine. And that solved the problem. 
Now, I'm a very handy person in the house. I know, I don't know if she, would, she knows I will say this. I'm a very handy person. So, anything that goes bad in the house, I will, if you see me call somebody to fix it, I have tried my best. And it didn't work. So, I would dismantle whatever it is. I always dismantle things, you know, fix them. I have an electrical background, so I dismantle them. Or maybe I don't have time, you know. So, I would dismantle, open up those things, then check. If your husband doesn't do it, please don't go and stress him. Don't go and say, ah, didn't you hear me? It's against the sake. And please, we're all different. You can't be comparing your spouse. Because some people will go now and say, she be you head, she be you head. I'm telling you too now, you to hear, you to hear. So, I will dismantle those things, check it, and see if I can fix it. And then. So sometimes he's wondering, let's get somebody to fix this thing. I say, madam, I can do this thing. Or some other times you say, in fact, the, the most recent one is the um, person iron in the house. So she, she came up and said, ah, this person iron is old. Let's change it. And I'm thinking, this person iron is working. Why would you want to change something that is working? You get it's not as if the pressing iron, people come inside the house and they can't. Uh, pressing iron, the ironing board, everything is inside. So why would I change something that is working? You know, I didn't get, I didn't understand it. You know, she said, okay. So one day, um, I think uh, the lady that says we thought wanted to um, iron, and she said the iron was not working. She said, hey, she better be saying we should go and change it. I said, don't worry, I'll fix it. <laughs> so, so I unscrewed it. Um, I did, I did my best. I tried my best. I made every effort. Guess what? I was able to fix it. It worked, but the way it's now working, <laughs> it's now overworking. The thermostat no longer works. <laughs> you know the thermostat is the regulator. It just regulates. So if it heats up at some point, it will cut off. So it doesn't... But... I tried to do my best. So I did my best, and it's overworking. So when you're using the pressing iron now, you put it on. If you forget to turn it off, if you forget to turn it off, you place it on your cloth like this. You just see an overshape. You know, you know what I now told her? I said, uh-huh, finally now, you use your mouth to scatter the iron. Because you have been insisting that we should go and change the iron. And I'm like... I don't, I don't, I just don't see, why would you change something that is working? You know, now, why am I saying this? If this kind of conversation had come up the first two, three years we got married, man, it wouldn't have been funny. My point is that we have grown. If you're having issues in your marriage, and you're married for a year, two, three, four, five years, you will grow, stick together. Two are better than one. You will get past it. There are different stages. You know, the, the, when it comes to marriage, there are different stages. You have the, the um, attraction stage where you are crazily in love with one another. You can't wait to see each other. Butterflies and all of those things. Prince Charm, uh, Charming. Uh. Then from attraction stage, you go to the annoyance stage. The annoyance stage is everything that person does just annoys you. When they wake up, you just look at them. Why, why are you looking like this? Every, everything just annoys you. They will say something, you annoy. Simple conversations you are supposed to have, be having and without any problems, you just start, you just find yourself arguing and, you know, not agreeing with each other. And you were once very in love. You were so in love that, you, you know, you couldn't wait each day to come back from, from work to see each other. 
Then you go from annoyance stage to the, there's a way I wrote it down. Sorry, let me, let me quickly look at it. To the appreciation stage. You get to a point where you start to appreciate one, uh, each other. You start to appreciate each other. At that point, you have learned to work your problems out. You have learned to sit down and have conversation. You have gone to seek counsel to help you navigate the challenges that you're going through. And you are now committed to one another and you want to see the other person do very well. So you will get past the stage. It is the stage, the annoyance stage. That's where a lot of, some marriages that break up, break up. And by the way, it doesn't mean, you know, you can be married for, the annoyance stage doesn't really have a particular time limit, period. It, it differs for different marriages. So you will grow. Be patient. Be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults. That's what the scripture says. You will grow past it. God wants the best for you. He wants the best uh, um, for your marriage. And don't, don't allow the devil to, to deceive you and tell you, uh, it's okay if you divorce. After all, you're not the first and you will not be the last. That's the ploy of the devil. And that's what he wants to keep doing. But my prayer for us tonight is that God will give us the wisdom to navigate every challenge that comes our way in the name of Jesus. And for the single people, the, the wisdom to make the right choice in the mighty name of Jesus. Have we been blessed tonight? Please, can we be on our feet? For, for the married couple in the house, I, I would just like you to pray. Pray for yourself. Pray for your marriage. Pray that God will give you wisdom. Wisdom to navigate. To navigate the tough times. To navigate the troubled, uh, um, the troubled waters. Ask for God's help. And for the single people in the house, pray and ask that God would help you to make the right decisions. And for those who are in wrong relationship, you know the relationship you are in, you shouldn't be in that relationship. Begin to ask God to help you break off, to put an end to that relationship. Father, we thank you. Lord, we give you praise. We thank you for the wisdom released upon us tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus. Can we stretch forth our hands to the communion? I want us to declare over it.